Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot button internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Cyber Law and Business Report. I'm Bennett Kelly broadcasting live here from the Internet Law Center in the heart of Silicon Beach in downtown Santa Monica. And um, we have a great show for you today. Um, We have with us a, a distinguished actor who just came up for a great run um, doing a, a play, a very highly acclaimed uh, version of Henry V, or as I like to say, Henry V, um, at, in Venice, um, California. He's done a number of TV shows as well, who decided um, to take a break and um, kind of delve into the political dialogue that um, is at the heart of America today and um, see what the other side, what makes the other side tick and see if we have common ground. So he got into his van, um, got his dog, and traveled across the country to talk to um, Republicans and conservatives across the country to see whether you know a California liberal can find common ground. So um, his name is Joe McGovern, and um, he's with us today. And then we also have a number of news updates we'll provide later on. But Joe, are you with us? I am. Thanks, Bennett. Happy belated St. Patrick's Day, I guess, would be in order. Um, <laughs> Thank you, <yes. laughs> I guess we should be doing this at a pub. But um, this is still an option. But in any, any event, um, so um, you're also, there's one thing I did leave out, is you, you have a well-known father. I do, yeah, Ray McGovern. He was uh, in the CIA for uh, 27 years and then consulted with the CIA for 10 years after that. Um, and in the interim between, between then and now, he's become a fairly well-known, um, I don't know if you would call him a peace activist, but, uh, he, um, people always tell me, he's like, it's, it's, it's an amazing conversion that he had from going in, you know, being in the CIA to being a peace activist. But it seems fairly consistent to me when he was in the CIA, he was always fighting for, um, integrity and truth and justice. Um, and he's, doing the same thing today just in a sort of in a, in a different milieu so um yeah that's that's my that's my pop ray ray mcgovern and um it's so he's not is he's not exactly is he how, how does he fit in terms of the john le carre view of uh of uh um t- spies 
Well, he he's always had the view of the CIA as um, um, when it's fulfilling its purpose, it's a very noble and integrous part of the, the political structure to have um, politicians uh, to have a place that is unaffected by politics where you can find the truth, a central agency for intelligence that um, uh, people in politics can go to to find out what's happening in different parts of the world that can shape their decisions and their, their policies. That's a really um, – valuable thing to have and from from growing up you know hearing stories at the dinner table and stuff there are a lot of people um in the cia that are uh, you know really uh, good at what they do and um you know we have, they know exactly what's going on in all, all parts of the world the place where where it gets a little muddied or sullied is in, in the in the application from from the information to the politicians the cia sometimes doesn't actually give the correct information um, and can bow to uh, the whim of, um, you know, whoever's in charge, you know, say, hey, I want this to be happening in Nicaragua. The CIA says that's not actually what's happening in Nicaragua. The politician says, well, that's kind of what I want to have happen in Nicaragua. The CIA says, okay, that's happening. That's what's happening in Nicaragua. So oh. that's sort of where the... disconnect the, uh, is. Exactly. So... um You've you just finished a su- very successful run of uh, a, a kind of a, a modern adaptation of Henry V and um, Pacific Playhouse and Pacific Theater in Venice, and so you get in um, your van and you start driving. Where was your first stop? Um, it's funny. I went to the Bay Area first, which is was uh, that like as- a challenge to see if you could find <laughs> one? Is- as we all know, it's the hotbed of conservatism. Uh, well, my sister's up there, so I figured I'd go pay her a visit. And then um, I had a couple connections. Uh, this is, uh, you know, have a I, I, I use crowdfunding to to fund the the film, and I also use crowd that same crowdfunding platform to find conservatives to talk to. So I had a few uh, leads from uh, you know old friends from high school. Uh, every you know the the people that were supporting the film were. It was just really fun to have people from all different walks of my life. But I had a few connections in the Bay Area. I, um, I interviewed um, this guy, Jason, um, who I call uh, the conservative in Berkeley. Not a conservative in Berkeley, but the, <laughs> since I figured there's only one. <laughs> so I went to the Bay Area first and interviewed him and a couple other people. And then um, someone who worked in the, under, under Nixon. Um, that was a really fascinating conversation, too. And then I headed across northern Nevada to... Um, a couple of interviews in northern Nevada, Reno and Elko, and then Salt Lake City, Wyoming, Colorado, and, and so forth. Now, there's, there's different strains of thought that you, I'm sure you come across, you know, ranging from just um, you know, traditional conservative libertarians, um, religious conservatives. You know, who, so who are you coming across in your journey, and who are you finding com- common ground with? Great question. Um, so uh, I'll say right be- before I answer that, um, I am um, sort of semi-political. You know, I, I know kind of um, enough to to be dangerous is, is mm-hmm. sort of how I call it. So one of my dis- one of my first discoveries was just how diverse the other side is. I m- my understanding before I 
before I left Los Angeles was that everyone who labeled themselves conservative basically believes and adheres to all of the Fox News talking points. And one of the very first things that I've discovered was that that's, that's not the case. Um, people are, you know, like, like you mentioned, there's Republican, conservative, libertarian, and all different strains in between. One of the most popular sort of um, uh, very fashionable right now is to be um, fiscally conservative and socially liberal. So um, low, uh, small government, uh, low government spending, but also in favor of gay marriage. Um, right. Uh, pro-choice that kind of thing and so we're um as you venture it out um where where were you finding common ground you and what was what what surprised you and uh and 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 what do you think where people react to when they see your film yeah um so when i i interviewed um the, the president of the college Republicans at the University of Wyoming in Laramie, um, a guy named Corey. And one of the, this was my first real big sort of head popped off my body, did a 360 and plopped back down. Um, <laughs> he, <laughs> Dang, he, this is radio. That would be such good. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get some animation going. So he, I was interviewing him just on the quad there at University of Wyoming and, um, we started talking about the issues and one of the first issues that came up was gay marriage and he was totally pro gay marriage. And I was shocked. Um, a, he's from Wyoming. That shows a little bit of my own sort of prejudice probably, but, uh, he was from Wyoming. He, well, I mean, uh, that is where Matthew Shepard was killed. So, I mean, com- yeah, completely. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. In, in Laramie, which is where I was. Okay. So, um, and then he was in the military. He had, he had done two, tours. Uh, he did a year in Iraq and a year in Afghanistan. Um, he was president of the college Republicans and he was uh, really conservative. So I kind of asked him, I was like, that's really strange that you're pro-gay marriage. Why is that? You know, especially, you know, given that you've been in the army and he looked at me really confused and he said, what are you talking about? Like the army, the army is where I learned tolerance. You know? I grew up in a small town. My graduating class was like 42 people. Um, I didn't know there was diversity. And when I got into the army, they taught us that everyone deserves to be defended. Every American deserves to be defended, regardless of whether you agree with their position or whether you hold their life, their lifestyle or not. And, um, he said, uh, we knew there were gay guys, you know, and we didn't care. Like it's all that mattered was that you did your job. So that was really surprising to me that there was a kid that learned about tolerance from the army. Yeah. It just, I, I, now that may not be a typical experience. Maybe it is. And maybe it's not, I don't know, but the point, it didn't even really matter to me. The point is that this kid exists, this kid that learned tolerance from the army. I had no idea that was even, you know, uh, that even existed. So, um, people like him. And then even before I left in Santa Monica, I I interviewed a a Zen Buddhist conservative that I didn't know existed. Okay. When I was in Denver, (laughs) I interviewed a, uh, I interviewed an African, African-American guy from the projects in Pittsburgh that had moved to Denver. So, and he was conservative. I didn't know that existed. So just to discover these people, and I, I love that. I love discovering people that break the mold and that challenge my assumptions. That's really um, fun and exciting to me, to, 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 to meet those kinds of people and, and to talk a little bit about and discover their journey and how they got to where they where they ended up. I have an African-American um, class, high school, well, grade school and high school classmate 
who grew up from you know the the, the heart of the hood, and you know, his family was poor as could be, and um, you know he ended up working for John Boehner. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> go, go figure. But, yeah, and, um, and that that fascinated that that was you know the whole reason I I, I did this or I, I you know I spent five months driving around the country talking to conservatives was because there was something there's something really exciting about discovering your own um, hypocrisy, mm-hmm. <laughs> your your own um, ignorance. There's something to me. I don't know if that's exciting to other people. It's not so exciting when other people point it out, but it's exciting when, when you <laughs> yeah, discover it yourself. <laughs> you know. So driving around the country, like finding all of my assumptions get you know ske- uh, impacted and uh, discovering um, uh, facts, discovering people that challenged my um, my assumptions and my my opinions was really it was really exciting. Did anyone, people, did anyone react negatively? Like, you know, you, you want to talk to me like I'm some, you know, something collected in a zoo. Like, okay, I want to meet a, <laughs> I want to meet a llama. I want to meet a giraffe. And I, I don't want to meet a, you know, a conservative from, you know, Wisconsin. Anyway. I didn't have much negative reaction to it. Uh, uh, quite the contrary, actually. I think conservatives were really excited about what I was doing. Um one of the things that I would ask in my interviews was, what do you think of liberals, you know? And um, if there was something that you could change about us, what would it be? You know, like, here, here I am, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll return to my people and bring them your message, you know? <laughs> so, uh, and one of the things they said was, just stop calling us racist, please. Like, stop calling us these names and um, um, just know that we're people... We care about the poor. We care about minorities. We just have a different idea of what's best for for uh, for the poor and minorities, and for the country in general. So, um, most for the most part, conservatives were pretty excited about what I was doing um, once they trusted me. And uh, the way that I was able to gain their trust mostly was from their friends. You know, like mm-hmm. I had, you know, my my friend's father. I had. Um, uh, my uncle, my own uncle, uh, a cousin of mine, um, my high school girlfriend's parents in Birmingham. That was a trip. Uh, I, I so, saw that on your blog. Yeah. 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 So it was, so there was a, there was already a level of trust because they knew, at least they knew someone who knew me. And right. then the second thing that, that, that allowed them to trust me is that I, I filmed these little update videos and I got all the videos posted on my website, the other side documentary.com. And I, this wasn't even a planned um, part of the documentary, but on the first day, I was having this experience, and I was like, I think this experience needs to be shared. So I started to film these little, just like, you know, lame little iPhone videos that I, you know, sometimes three minutes, sometimes longer, that I would post um, and share with people. So when people were uh, thinking about being interviewed, they could watch some of my videos, and they could kind of get that I was sincere. I wasn't like a Daily Show bait and switch. I wasn't trying right. to... I wasn't trying to make anyone look stupid. I was really looking for some understanding. And um, so and once anyone crosses... Oh, oh sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, 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 that being said, 
there were some people who just refused to be interviewed. You know, I, you know, I had um, a friend of mine's mom that decided against it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, and I, 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 even, I did some man on the street interviews and, and that was really exciting. Just walking up to random people like, Hey, are you conservative? You know? And, uh, I, so I interviewed this couple in Buford, South Carolina. We had this amazing conversation. Like they were really angry about certain things, but through our conversation, I was able to see where that anger came from and I was able to, uh, to, to listen and hear that anger. You know, it's like uh, uh, the people that I talked to, I could split them into two different groups. One group is um, really, uh, sort of, I, I found thoughtful, I found conversational, I found open to new ideas and I would have really great conversations with them. We would disagree, but we'd have a really fruitful kind of conversation. Then there's the other group that we didn't agree on anything. And it was really hard to speak to them. But when I would dig underneath the opinions and beliefs, I could get to something that I could acknowledge. I could get down into some, some value, some, um, some love, something about them that I related to, I liked and accepted. So, so anyway, with this couple, we got to that spot, you know. Um, and there was this really beautiful sort of connective, intimate moment. And then after we finished the interview, like I brought out the release form for them to sign and they were hemming and hawing. And finally the wife convinced him that it wasn't a good idea to sign the release form. So I was initially really hurt. Like there, here is this really amazing moment that we just shared a very unique moment in American politics where, you know, like you said, a liberal from California and some conservatives from South Carolina saw not even saw eye to eye. That's such a lame way of putting it, like connected and experienced each other in a way that was so beautiful. And then there was this huge break of that connection, a break of that intimacy when we brought out the release form. And I initially I was sort of offended. I was hurt. They don't trust me. But then I was thinking to myself, like, that's the climate that we live in. Right. And, you know, they know that uh, you're taught seen- to. Yeah. So I, 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 I stopped blaming them for that and started to understand that that's the environment that we live in. And that's a really, um, that's a really amazing thing for me to try and make whatever little impact I can with my film. So anytime you walk from one side of the aisle and talk to the people on the other side, um, there's the walk back. Mm -hmm. And so, what reaction have you got from you know your liberal friends in in making um, this? And are they questioning your bona fides? Are they like, wait a minute, you know, um, you know, are you going to um, are you becoming conservative on us and uh, anything like that? Yeah, that's a great question because um, yes, a thousand times yes, that is man, that is the that's the tough piece because um, anytime. I say any here, – here's how – let me see. There's like a million different things to say about this. Let me think for a second. Okay. So here's the world we live in. It's a very dualistic word. I'm not even sure if that's the right word, but it's binary. You have two choices. It's us or them, liberal, conservative, Democrat, Republican. And in my experience, things aren't as simple as that. One of the great lessons that I've learned from the from the documentary is that things are complicated. Um, so when I talk to my liberal friends about what I've discovered, there is this reaction from them, like, like yeah, but, 
we have this tr- the, uh, when you're having a conversation with someone you disagree with if they bring up a point that is damaging to your it helps their it's a point for them not a point for us what we have to do is we have to bring up a larger point that will then beat their point into the ground beat them into submission and win the argument so my my uh, my tech my my tactic my technique was to stop doing that on my trip. I wouldn't try to trump your point. I would actually listen to your point, and I would actually acknowledge your point. Like, hey, that was a good point, and then stop stop at that point. So, when I talk to my liberal friends like that, it makes them it makes them a little angry. It makes them a little uh, scared. Um, and there is this sense, like, uh oh, like Joe. Are you, you're being brainwashed or you're being, um, corrupted. So, but, but, but when, but when we can, when we can talk specifically, like if we talk about gay marriage, um, if we talk, a lot of conservatives say that are opposed to gay marriage, talk about the definition of the word marriage. And that's, a, a, an argument that I had never under, you know, it was ridiculous to me. You know, words change all the time. Languages are living, breathing things. Um, but in my conversation with someone, I actually got experientially how it feels for them to have gay mar- to uh, to allow gay marriage and how that would impact the word marriage. It's not the word; it's their experience. How it impacts their experience of their wedding, how it ex- impacts the experience of their kids. Now, I disagree with their stance, but you can't really argue with people's experience. People's, you know, if you're sad, you're sad. If you're happy, you're happy. So that's something that I could acknowledge. I'd be like, I get your experience. So that's what I've been trying to, in my conversations with my liberal friends, I've been trying to, to, to bring in accuracy. I'm, I'm struggling with the vocabulary right now because um, I want to be, well, I want to be accurate. Um, there's, there's an accuracy that we can bring to the conversation that if we give up trying to win the argument – there's um, there's some really exciting things that we can we can start to uncover and discover. So that's what I try to do with my liberal friends. I'm like, okay, so um, what's I don't remember the name of the congressman, but he brought the snowball onto the floor. Yes, Senator um, Inhofe from Con- uh, Oklahoma. Okay, so um, so when he brought the snowball into, is he in the Senate or legislature? He's in the Senate. Yeah, he's in the Senate. Okay, so he's a senator. So so um, we were watching it, my friend. Um, uh, my friend's house and, uh, uh, uh my friend, um, two of my friends were like, that's so ridiculous. And it's, it, and very angry. And I was like, so my, my, what I brought to the conversation was something like, okay, I don't think he's crazy. Sure. That was a, it was a stunt and it was a really bad stunt and it was irresponsible, but I don't think he's crazy. I think we just disagree. Um, and so I try to get like the accuracy Climate change was a big thing that we um, that we talked about in my um, in my travels around the country, and I've always thought, you know, wow, how could you be a climate change denier? Why would you disagree with ninety seven percent of scientists? But in uh, in talking to conservatives, um, what I, I realized this actually isn't my realization; it's something I got from a, a Bill Moyers interview um, with it was a Bill Moyers interview with a conservative evangelical climate change acknowledger. She uh, travels around talking to evangelical um, conservatives, trying to convince them that climate change is real. So, um, uh, this will be the last, uh, I've been talking for far too long. But anyway, so um, uh, the two main tenets of conservatism are small government 
and liberty, independence, right? So the way to, cli- uh, to combat climate change is the exact opposite of those two tenets of conservatism. You need big government and cooperation in order to combat climate change. So it's, it's only natural for conservatives to need to and want to deny climate change because it goes against their two foundational, foundational tenets. If someone were to tol- tell me that 97% of scientists agreed tomorrow that um, uh, agreed tomorrow that um, uh, life begins at conception, then I would have to deny 97% of scientists in order to maintain my pro-choice views. So that there was is, sort of a... There is one thing that liberals and conservatives can agree upon, and that is that we have to take a break right now. <laughs> um, but we'll be back after these messages with Joe McGovern talking about the other side. After these messages, you're listening to Cybalon Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Do you want to optimize and grow your business? Then master your skills in conversion rate optimization. Sign up for Conversion Conference Las Vegas 2015, happening on May 12th through the 14th. It's Brasco from Webmaster Radio inviting you to the biggest and only conversion conference in the United States this year. Join your colleagues and the world's leading conversion experts, including Tim Ash, Amy Africa, Lance Loveday, Natalie Nahai, plus 40 of your favorite optimizers. Learn to create persuasive content, design landing pages that trigger your visitors to action, and convert blog readers into customers come to conversion conference the conference that pays for itself in no time webmasterradio.fm listeners get a 100 hour discount on their pass register early and get full access for only 897 dollars when you use discount code wmfm simply register online at conversionconference.com with the code wmfm that's conversionconference.com code wmfm hurry save your seat before they sell out InternetMarketingINC.com is one of the fastest-growing full-service digital marketing agencies in the country, specializing in providing results-driven online marketing solutions. Internet Marketing Inc.'s passionate team prides themselves on staying ahead of marketing trends to create and implement campaigns that get more traffic to your website, gain positive brand awareness, and drive conversions. If you are looking for a data-driven approach to online marketing and advertising, call Internet Marketing Inc. today at 866-563-0620 or visit internetmarketinginc.com. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. And we're back, and as usual, you can find show notes um, for today's broadcast on our um, blog, which is at cyberlawradio.wordpress.com. We have background on Joe and including um, a preview or for the um, the other side, as well as links to Joe's website, the other side's website, and his Twitter, which is at Joe 
underscore McGovern. And um, so we're back with Joe. And um, you've traveled, um, you, you haven't exactly traveled alone. You've traveled with a trusty companion. Who's that? <laughs> it's my, uh, my little 16-pound terrier, Charlie. <laughs> a feisty lad. <laughs> um, he so, is, yes. So um, in, in, in your, I'm, he must be an icebreaker though, right? He's great, yeah, especially on the um, the man on the street interviews to have a, a dog. Um, I don't know. It's <laughs> People are much more likely to come and talk to us if we were holding a camera, if there's a, a cute black and white terrier next to me. <laughs> <laughs> Always the case. So, yeah. um, so you, you've done, I, be, I believe, what's the number of um, interviews you've done so far? Uh, 82. Okay, I was thinking eighty. And I think we can wait a minute. That's how many shows you did for Henry. Henry oh, that's true. So yeah. <laughs> it's kind of an interesting parallel. So, yeah, um, are, are you do you still want to do more interviews, or are you ready to start moving into production? Uh, we've just started editing, so I think um, uh, my editor and I we just started working together to call the. Um, about 200 hours of footage down to a 90-minute documentary. Um, there are a couple little pieces, uh, little gaps that we may want to fill in. Um, so uh, interviews may not be completely over, um, but uh, they're over for the for the short term uh, now and, as we start. And are these all in-person interviews or any by Skype or? They're all in-person interviews so far. Um, I will, I, I, you know, I, I have a friend um, – Who's sort of the uh, a really intelligent and quintessential liberal? He did uh, four years of voluntary tear work in in Bolivia after college, and then um, he did um, uh, he married a Bolivian girl, and he lived he lives down there now. So um, he was really uh, vocal in in my uh, and very helpful actually during the documentary, sending me messages, his reactions, that kind of thing. So I'd really like to uh, to Skype with him. Uh, to sort of practice, like how to talk to liberals about my findings. Um, that would be a huge part of the film, obviously, since liberals um, will probably be my main audience. So I will do a couple, of, and there's a couple of people that I missed along the way that I'd really like to talk to. So um, uh, there will be a couple of Skype interviews that I'll be doing. But but all 82 of the interviews so far have been in person. Oh, good. And so so now you just have to boil it down to a 90 minute film. And exactly. uh, that's interesting. Um, it just brought back a memory. I had a, a very not-so-subtle website during the um, Bush years called Bush Lies. Mm. And um, it <laughs> and um, it was done in part because I felt that my, you know, my party, the Democrats, were rolling over. And um, after the 2002 elections, I bought the domain and I launched it a couple months later. Mm. And so I, I made it a point, because I felt Democrats were rolling over, to um, respond to everyone, but politely in a civil way. I wasn't, you know, you know, saying, you know, GFY or anything like that. And, um, and I remember getting into a debate with some guy in uh, an American missionary in Brazil. And at first he was very hostile and, um, we went back and forth and in a civil and constructive manner. And, you know, after a few exchanges, he was inviting me down to Brazil to visit. Mm -hmm. Mm. And, um, you know, so it, 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 you can have that. You can get to that point where you're, you're reaching each other and recognizing, wait a minute, this person's intelligent. He cares about these issues. He just has a different – he gets to it a different way than I do. And yeah, I think you have to – like, you, there's two ways to do that, I think. 
the first way is just to sort of swallow your your anger, you know, and uh, uh, sort of compromise and look in the middle. That 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 mode of doing it isn't as attractive to me as looking for accuracy. I think if we talk um, accuracy, then we can get that sort of connection with people we disagree with in a different way that doesn't feel like we're sacrificing anything. Um, if we replace our allegiance to the team with our allegiance to truth and accuracy, then I think it's much easier and, and, and more exciting to find common ground with, with the other side. I don't know if that, does that make sense? It does. Um, but I want to ask you about, um, so you, you, to finish the film, you, you're in the process of raising money. Is that it, or yeah, yeah? We're um, I'm still working with my uh, my crowdsourcing, my crowdfunding site, and and also. And what, and what site is that? So it's a um, using a platform called GoFundMe, um, okay. and the the URL is a bit complicated, but there's a link to it at the top of my website, theothersidedocumentary.com. Um, just a big red button in the middle of the top of the page. And if you click on that, it'll take you right to the, the crowdfunding. So if you, it's really important to me to keep this documentary independent and not to have it, you know, I mean, if, if MSNBC came to me tomorrow and said, Hey, we're going to give you a hundred thousand dollars to finish your film. I would say no, because that's, um, MSNBC is embroiled in the, um, uh, there's, there's sort of part of that paradigm of right. us and them. Yes. And I want to keep this uh, sort of independent. So it's really important to me. Um, you know, I raised $15,000 just through, you know, friends and family and friends of friends and family. Um, so anyone, you know, who's listening who would like to contribute and like to support would, would be greatly appreciated. And um, and there is a link to the GoFundMe um, site as well on the blog. Now, I do have one question I'm just dying to hear the answer to. Yeah. And it, and it, it, it seems that right now um, much of – the battle between left and right is, is it, there's is a disagreement about facts, you know, and there's a, there's a whole um, statement, you're entitled to your opinion, but you're not entitled to the facts. And so when you have stuff like, you know, climate change, where, you know, they believe they can deny, as you were referring to earlier, 97% of the scientists, um, or other things where it's, it's de- demonstrable that this, you know, this has occurred um, or even facts like you know whether or not Reagan raised taxes, you know some some conservatives won't even admit that. Um, how how do you bridge that? That's a great. I was just talking with my buddy Matt about this last night. So um, here's my opinion on 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 that piece. Um, it's a common in common parlance to say. Whose facts are you talking about, right? Are you talking about right. the left facts or the right facts? But I find very few facts when I'm when I'm reading articles. So it's not the left's facts or the right's facts. It's the left's opinions or the right's opinions. They're they're not facts. They're they're opinions. So I've I've often um, dreamed of a, a website. Maybe we call it Purple State. You know, a combination of red and blue. Actually, and there, there are people. There was a movement in that. Um, Lenny oh, Davis. Lenny Davis, who I don't know if you're familiar with, um, was counsel under uh, Clinton, and uh, Michael Steele, who was the GOP um, chairman uh, mm. during the Bush years. They actually did a, a tour on that notion. Mm. 
Yeah, it's great. I would love, I mean, just, you know, like Ferguson, for example, I would love for this website to have like on the left-hand side of the screen, you've got a red column. Actually, I guess the left should be blue. So we have like a blue column on the left and we have a red column on the right and we have all just the facts of the case, no commentary or anything like um, Michael Brown robbed a liquor store that goes on the red column. Michael Brown was unarmed. That goes in the blue column. Sorry, other way around. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just got confused. Every <laughs> anyway, so we just have the facts, and like which this fact supports a more liberal or progressive ideology. So we'll put it on the right, on the left, in the blue column, and this fact supports a more conservative uh, Republican ideology. So we'll put, it, and then we just list out all the facts, and then people uh, can decide for themselves. And then now we're having discussions, all talking about the same facts. One of the points that my buddy Matt brought up last night was that 30 years ago, there were two or three news programs. So whether, whether there were disagreement, when people disagreed, at least they were talking about the same facts. Now we have, I don't know, 20. If you include internet um, news sources, we have, I don't know, as though they are facts. So I think that's the solution, or, or at least part of the solution, to, to have people, to, have pe- to, to show people the joy... <laughs> The connection, the feeling of intimacy, patriotism, the feeling of connection with other Americans, even those that you disagree with, when we talk facts and we just disagree about the solution or what those facts mean versus getting that little sugar rush, that little bitter, angry sugar rush that you get from watching either Rachel Maddow or Jon Stewart skewer the right or watching uh, O'Reilly or Hannity skew the left. So, Or skewer, I should say. Skewer was what I meant. Um, yeah, so, I'm just I'm reminded of a, a interview Ron Suskin did um, with some members of the Bush White House in 2004, and the aide said to him that um, Suskin was quote in what we call the reality based community, um, and that um, we've moved beyond that. Mm, <laughs> and so that's, that's really that's, true. I think I think that's a tension. I think you know. Yeah. Like, um, and I think that's the, the left feels that, um, yeah, my, see, like my film has, has gone from like a, a, a mission of discovery, you know, to almost an, a mission, uh, like an evangelization mission. And what I'm, <laughs> what I'm evangelizing is, uh, seeking truth and facts, all of the facts, even ones that are inconvenient to your point of view. You know, um, when I I interviewed the African-American conservative who grew up in the projects, one of the things he mentions was all of the welfare abuse, you know, um, girls in his neighborhood trying to get pregnant and trying to have a different sex child than the one they already had so that the um, the state would have to move them into a a new apartment because um, there was a a, a rule that boys and girls couldn't share bedrooms. So, yeah. So like that, that's an inconvenient fact for my side. But. I don't want to ignore that. I don't want to just beat his fact into submission with a bigger fact on my side, like the 70-year-old grandma who has six kids. Like, what are you going to do with her, you know? I want to accept his fact. Like, I want a, a complete picture of what's going on so that I can – so that we can come up with intelligent solutions. That's that's what makes sense to me. Well, um, what is your father what's – your, what's your reaction of your father, Ben? Has been it. I was a little scared um, to, to see what he would think because he's so uh, – so active in, in um, um, with you know uh, peace uh, peace matters and that kind of thing, 
So I was a little nervous, but he's been nothing but 100% supportive. And while I was passing through Virginia, I spent a lot of time with my parents um, on the journey. And he and I had some really, really in-depth conversations about uh, about what I was doing. And, um, I was able to, to, to sort of... Um, you know, it, it's like so, I, I wish we had like about an hour for me to explain the whole the whole deal. But to, to sum up, it was for the first time I was able to to disagree with my father on certain things in a knowledgeable, um, intelligent way. Um, my dad, for me, has always been you know I just I, I respect him so much. He's so intelligent that I just I usually just take whatever view he has and champion it. But I was able for the first time to have uh, my own opinion on some things that I thought he was wrong about Ferguson being an example. So, uh, again, so the short answer to your question is he's been nothing but 100% supportive in everything and anything that I do, this included. And the longer answer is that um, he's been supportive and there have been a couple points where we disagreed and we've had some really fruitful conversations. Well, um, it's it's been a pleasure having you. If um, So... One last time, if people want to learn more about this project, where should they go? Uh, go to our website. It's theothersidedocumentary.com. And um, we're going to take a short break, but I want to thank you for coming on. And best of luck with the project. Please let us know when you're ready to air it, and we'll definitely um, maybe have you back on to talk about it again. But this it's an interesting project. We, we, obviously, if you, you know, with, if you look at the latest polls, um, people don't trust either party. They don't trust Congress. And um, we're not getting things done. And yeah. so we need to find another way to do it. And so, you know, people like you are maybe showing us a different way. Mm, Bennett, thanks so much for having me on. All right. It's been a pleasure. We're going to take a short break. When we come back. We'll have news updates on what's going on in the web after these messages. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. All-inclusive market is the luxurious five-star resort of digital marketing. Welcome to All-inclusive marketing. Engage with All-inclusive marketing's award-winning strategists to ramp up your online profitability and brand exposure, driving new customer acquisitions, increased sales, and stronger buyer retention. Another mojito, please. All-inclusive marketing's full-service digital and performance marketing accommodates every brand, specializing in retail, travel, and software as a service. What a great room. The A in All-inclusive marketing means award-winning leadership, excellence and results, as well as an A rating by the Better Business Bureau. For reach, engagement, and conversion, it's all-inclusive marketing. Reserve a free consultation today at allinclusivemarketing.com slash radio. When you started your business, you first listened to chair professors. Now that your business is growing and gaining ground, you only seek out professionals. PPC Professionals, an industry leader for highly optimized search marketing campaigns with over 30 years of combined management experience. Our professional approach to every campaign helps you find every avenue of revenue so that you can not only stay ahead of your competitors, but get a return on your investment and increase your bottom line. PPC Professionals, personal, professional, PPC services, ppcprofessionals.com. ShipStation helps online retailers ship orders faster. It's so easy to set up and use. ShipStation gives you tools to automatically import, manage, and ship your orders in the most cost-efficient way. Save money with the best USPS rates possible, as well as a free USPS account. ShipStation integrates with all the most popular e-commerce platforms and shipping carriers. Get shipping done no matter where you sell or how you ship. WebmasterRadio.fm listeners get an additional 30 days free after the free 30-day trial. 
Go to ShipStation.com slash Webmaster Radio now. Shipping Nirvana starts here. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. And we're back, and I want to thank um, Joe again. It's a really interesting project he has going. And uh, we like to um, bring people like him in from time to time. Um, it kind of follows up on our discussion last week with um, with Ralph about the uh, the state of the the, the race in um, 2016. So it just gives perspective, and um, we're very supportive of a crowdfunding effort. So we like to bring pe- people like Mike on, um, or Joe on to to do that. Um, and so we just um, those are projects we like to support. Now um, some news updates and. Uh, First of all, um, it is March Madness, and the president actually has released his bracket. Um, and uh, much to my chagrin, he has not picked Providence to win it all. But um, and in the in light of March Madness, I have to give a shout out to a, a for, uh, an alma mater of mine, and very indirectly, I actually before law school started a program in urban planning at John Hopkins University in Baltimore, and the program collapsed at the end of the first semester. And so they are actually doing an alumni event in the heart of March Madness to do, of all things, watch a lacrosse game, and which apparently you know, John Hopkins has won the NCAA championship multiple times. So um, inventive use of uh, a season of the day dur- during March Madness for a non-March Madness school. So I give them credit on that. A couple of things I want to highlight. There's a, a very important development in Washington last week. Um, Representative of Clark... Um, from Massachusetts, who um, just recently was um, elected last year to um, take the place of uh, Ed Markey, who then took he took Senator um, Kerry's place when he became Secretary of State. Um, she's in represents a, a district outside of Massachusetts, outside of Boston, and um, and one of her constituents is none other than Brianna Wu, who was at the center of the Gamergate controversy. And um, when she saw the the death threats and re, and um, hate that was being directed at her and other women in response to Gabriel Gate, um, she decided to talk to the Justice Department, and we frankly was um, quite disappointed with its response. And so, as a result, she actually um, has um, taken them on in an op-ed in the Hill. Um, she said that um, the Justice Department has not taken it seriously enough and is actually urging the Appropriations Committee to adopt language that would direct the Justice Department um, to take this more seriously. The committee strongly urges the Department to intensify its efforts to combat the destructive abuse and expects to see increased investigations and prosecution of online harassment. Um, She thinks it's uh, appalling for example, that um, the number of, for example, that the number of harassment investigations and prosecutions is, is paltry. Um, even though it's a federal crime, federal prosecutors um, have pursued only 10 of the estimated 2.5 million cases of cyber stalking between 2010 and 2013. And so she's actually um, trying to get fellow colleagues to... Um, signed a letter urging the Appropriations Committee to put more pressure on the um, the Justice Department to 
take this more seriously, and, and I think that's a very worthy effort. Um, and that's um, Catherine Clark, and there's a link to that in the um, show notes on our blog. And um, I also love know is uh, I, I was in San Francisco earlier this week, and I actually stepped in briefly into the Ellen Powell trial, and that really seems to have gripped the city um, in, in, in somewhat of a divisive way. And there's some concerns um, that if she's successful, that may actually cause a backlash and make um, Silicon Valley venture firms less likely to hire women. Not that they've been shown a great deal of likelihood so far, since 96% of um, VC venture firms are, um, Silicon Valley venture firms are men, and the partners at least. And uh, But today, there's the lawyer who represents Ellen Powell, um, has filed another lawsuit this time against Facebook. And um, there's a sexual, sexual harassment, sex discrimination claim um, that's been filed by an employer, employee who was there for several years um, not too long ago. And um, the allegations there have certain similar traits. Um, for example, um, she was belittled and she was asked, how come you're not at home watching your kids? Um, just as the allegations in the Ella Pyle trial um, have allegations such that women weren't allowed to attend um, client um, dinners because women were buzzkill. So I, I think all this will continue to bring in focus the role of women in Silicon Valley, and you know, in so far that the spotlight has not been very favorable. Um, also, want to give a shout out. One thing that we've done a lot and early on in the show, and we're now in our fifth year was cover the um, the Right Haven um, attack on uh, bloggers. And Right Haven was an effort brought together by the Las Vegas Review Journal editor and some others to um, fund litigation to go after bloggers over copyright infringement, except they completely <laughs> screwed it up and it ended up back backfiring um, and um, the Right Haven ended up in bankruptcy. And we talked about it a lot, and it's, it's, we're at the five-year point. Um, and uh, so it's interesting that so much time has gone by, but um, Eric Goldman uh, at Santa Clara um, Law School, who's head the high, he's head of the High Tech um, Institute there, um, actually has a great blog entry, um, The Right Heaven Debacle, five years later. There's a link to it on our blog. And um, talks about that despite... Um, the disaster that it was for those who were victimized by Right Haven, it actually created some good law that um, is pro-content um, creator and that um, some good law in terms of fair use and standing, um, which was the, the, um, the dagger for Right Haven since it turns out that they actually didn't have the copyright to, to sue on to begin with. And uh, so it's hard to believe it's been five years, but... Um, just want to point that out as well. And um, in addition, we mentioned that last week was the we were celebrating the International Women's Day, and apparently the celebrations in China went a little bit too far um, because they actually celebrated by arresting um, some leading feminist activists. So, um, and there's there's some um, protests today in New York about that, um, and we definitely have been following China and this crackdown on netizens. And that we find that quite concerning. Uh, one last shout out, um, and then as well as a, a belated happy St. Patrick's Day to everyone. The um, the racist video that was circulated from the fraternity um, ASE Alpha Sigma Epsilon 
at the University of Oklahoma that drew a lot of attention um, to last week, and it was reprehensible. But um, ASC had been uh, recently gaining attention in a movie that's out now in theatrical release called The Hunting Ground. And I had the opportunity to see it and, and speak with the, the producer and, and one of the, um, the, the stars or subjects of the film. And um, they have a segment where they go speak to women, women on campuses across the country and um, just ask them about ASE. And they universally uh, repeated what its nickname is, and which is sexually, excuse me, not ASE, um, SAE, um, um, Sigma Alpha Epsilon, I apologize, um, sexual assault expected. And um, if you haven't seen The Hunting Ground, it is in theaters and, and limited distribution, um, but it's a, it's a compelling documentary about um, rape on college campuses, and uh, apparently uh, as many as 20% of women in college are, are raped and or, or experience sexual assault. And one of the most um, notorious examples featured in the um, movie is actually none other than um, the like, one of the likely first draft picks in the NFL draft, um, Florida State's Winston. And so um, it's, it's worth checking out. Um, and, but what's also the worst part about it, and a lot of what the victim said, it was the worst part wasn't so much the assault. It was actually the reaction of their institutions to the assault, the hostility um, to the victims, and even um, you know their ability, their willingness to cover it up, and so it's it's definitely something that it merits um, further review and discussion. So I, I encourage you to check out the Hunting Ground. It's a great it's a great um, documentary that deserves your attention. Um, Brasco, um, I don't know if you've done a um, your brackets yet. Um, I'm not picking Providence to go all the way, but it would be nice if they did since it's my hometown and everyone wants to have that experience someday. But it's going to see, seem hard. To find um, Kentucky, um, anyone who can beat Kentucky. But um, I don't know, Nebraska. Have you done your picks yet? Um, well, but we have only a few seconds left. But I do want to thank um, Joe for joining us today, and um, it's been it was a really interesting discussion. I think uh, um, I hope you when he does come out, he'll come back on and talk about the show. But um, any event, um, we'll be back next week. And I um, hope you'll join us then. Until um, then, this is Bennett Kelly um, saying quarters adjourned. And um, please join us next week. And, and right here on Cyber Law Business Report, um, again, you can check out information about our guests in today's show on our blog at cyberlawradio.wordpress.com. Tell us what you think. We're on Twitter at cyberlawradio. And um, also check us out at the Internet Law Center, internetlawcenter.net. Um, we're providing internet loss legal services here in the heart of Silicon Beach in downtown Santa Monica. Thanks again. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. 
To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.